Welcome to Curiosity Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 63, Hustle Sessions, number two. Yeah, number two. And we've got an incredible guest today. Uh, let me just say, like, I've met a lot of people and there's a lot of times you, you, you see people on the internet and like you always wonder, like, are they really that nice? That's are true. they really That's that true. awesome? Um, but I got to meet our guest today when we were at eBay Open. Uh, and let me just say, like, she is genuinely one of the most awesome, super humble, very genuine people that I've ever met. So uh, we're super excited to introduce our guest today, Ashley, the hustle at home mom. Ashley, how's it going? Hey, hey, you guys. Oh, my gosh, you're way too nice. Yeah, I was lucky enough to split an Uber with you, Mike, on the way to the airport early, early. Like, was it 3.45 a.m. or something crazy? Yeah, we left so, early. No, you guys are awesome. You, you're both just as nice as can be. So, yeah, it was so fun to meet you guys and hang out for sure. And I got to tell you, the panel, you know, I was a little intimidated being next to you and, and Ken the Hustle be, but it worked out, right? I mean, things oh, worked out. I was intimidated. I was way intimidated, but you guys are so nice. I love you. Both you and Ken are just awesome. So it was really fun to like be up there. And I started to forget that like there was an audience. I just felt like I was talking with you guys. So that was what was really nice for sure. Nice. Well, hopefully the podcast end up being the same. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And and one of the things that um, I really like about um, Ashley is is you do uh, what what it is that, that my family's trying to do, right? So my wife is working really hard right now to help me build the eBay business so that she can kind of take over some of that and stay home uh, with our son and kind of do the at-home mom. Uh, but like you, not just do nothing at home, but do the kind of hustle, the hustle at home. Hustle at home. Uh, so for those of our listeners who might not know kind of you and your story and, and your your method of, of selling, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So, um, gosh, three years ago, I was listening. I like had always like when I had my first son, I knew I wanted to be a stay at home mom with him. And so um, I was trying to think of ways like I thought, well, I'll have all this time. I'll be relaxing. It'll be so great. Maybe I'll just take it easy. But actually being a stay-at-home mom is like the hardest job I've ever had. And I don't, I mean, I don't have all the experience in the world, but I've been a school counselor. I had a corporate job that was like a grind as like an administrative assistant. And it was, and I've worked at a restaurant. My family had a restaurant growing up. So I've worked my whole life, but having a kid is hard, <laughs> hard work. And he was kind of colicky and that was, didn't help a lot, but I mean, I love him with all my heart. Oh my gosh. It was the most awesome feeling, but I just kind of knew like I needed a life raft in the ocean of motherhood. So I did freelance writing for a little bit. I could do that from home. Um, and my husband and I would joke because I, I use this website called textbroker.com. And what you do is you sign up, you take a grammar test and they, they test your writing and then they give you a rate. And my rate was a penny a word. Wow. <laughs> and so I would just write articles. I mean, you just go on their website and you pick articles to write for people and you write them and however long they are, once they get approved, you get some money. So I would just joke with my husband, let's get a pizza tonight. I'll write a quick article. And then, you know, a half hour later or 15 bucks later, we could get a pizza. I mean, we weren't that broke, but, um, so I did that for a while. I got picked up by a client and started doing freelance writing for them and kind of branched off of that. So I always had like, in my mind, how can I like, keep that part of my brain alive that has studied and worked and like strive to grow. And cause I just felt like I was kind of dying a little bit inside. Like I loved my son, but I mean, it's the routine. I mean, you guys know you both have kids, like 
it's you wake up, same routine, go for a walk, Elmo, teach, teach letters. I mean, your brain starts to turn to mush, at least mine did. So I really liked having something that kept me fresh and happy. It was like mine, something that was belonged to me. So I, I listened to the um, Smart Passive Income podcast, loved that podcast. And this couple came on and talked about Amazon FBA. And so I was immediately like that night, I was so intrigued went out to Walmart. I'm seriously, it was like 2 a.m. And I just went to the clearance section and started scanning because I was like, I want this right now. Like, I want to try this right now. This is exciting. And like found these um, Glade mosquito candle like refills that sell for like 30 bucks on Amazon. And they were $3 at clearance. And I was like, this is real. (laughs) I was like, is this really a thing? So like I took a bunch of crap home my husband's like, what are you doing? Like, I, I knew he would have like questions. So like that night I got home, it's 3am. I pack my first box. I like go on YouTube. How do I do this? I have no idea. I'm throwing things in the box. It's probably totally wrong. And then I close it up and I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. And exactly one week later, those candles went live and sold that day. And I was, I showed my husband, like, look at what just happened. Nice. And he was like, oh my gosh. So that, that was my start with Amazon. I didn't even touch eBay. I just was doing Amazon and learning all the... Just started binging all the YouTube videos, all the podcasts, everything I could, which there weren't any podcasts really. Other, other than private label, there weren't really any podcasts like back then. And Instagram community and just started to like consume content. Um, and, like, and then that's where it just started to grow from there. And I just became obsessed, kind of <laughs> probably not healthy. And then I had to step back and be like, okay, Ash, like, you know, be a mom too. Like, be a, don't get too obsessed. But I just could tell that this was going to like change my family. Like something like just told me like, this is a good direction. And as I've developed it, I've seen how it's starting to change our family dynamic for sure. In a good way, I think, I hope. <laughs> So you landed on Amazon, right? After a bunch of side hustles, right? Yeah. So, and you found it, you enjoyed it. Do you have any reasons or any interesting stories why you backed out of the other ones? Like, did it get too much? Was it just too much like work? Like out of the writing? Well, whichever you, cause you've had a few, right? It wasn't just writing. I've heard you on other interviews talk about you had different kinds too, right? You had other ones. Yeah. Um, I did tutoring cause I have a, you know, I'm like, all this education is going to waste. <laughs> Might as well like tutor somebody. I'm never going to use math again or calculus again. So, um, so I tutored for a little bit. Um, I did a flag football league at the school for a little bit. Um, I've done like, yeah, but writing was the one that like started to make the most sense. I didn't want to like run an in-home daycare. That was like a thought, but I was like, ah, just, my own kids are so hard. I'm like other kids would be really tough. So, um, but yeah, pretty much just led to led to that. And, and like Amazon was the most, like once I did research, I'm like, this, this is really cool. Like I shop all the time anyway with the kids. Why not just try my hand at this, like send it in and it sells. And that's awesome. It just caught my attention more. So. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that you like started on Amazon. Um, I say that primarily because, um, I've had this intention of doing Amazon ever since I started reselling. Uh, and it's never worked out. Like Orlando and I talk about it all the time. Like I even I have think a, since episode one, Mike, Yeah, I even have a box right now of stuff that is supposed to be sent into Amazon. And I've yeah. just really taken to Poshmark and eBay. And to me, it, it yeah. seems a little less like scary. Um, mm-hmm. so what about you? Would you recommend like t- in today's day, like, would you say, 
uh, somebody just starting out should should go ahead and try Amazon? Do you think eBay is a little easier? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Mm, I like that's so Amazon is just a different animal. Like, I feel like I'm dancing with the devil with Amazon because like you send a bunch of crap in. I don't think anyone really cares. They're not watching it. I think they just let things lie until their algorithm finds something. And then for whatever reason, you could be blocked. And then for whatever reason, you cannot call. I give, if you've tried calling customers, mm-hmm. I cannot talk to anyone who, who like can help me out. So um, Amazon's really fun though. I think it, it's definitely important to get an Amazon account up and running. Like, and I am a huge advocate of at least get your store going and keep it kind of active because that's a really valuable asset to have because Amazon seems to just be making it harder and harder for sellers to like break into brands and niches and um, get ungated in things. And luckily, because I went so hardcore with Amazon, I have an account that's ungated in pretty much everything. And I don't use it as much as I used to other than for used items, books, electronics, that kind of thing. Um, But I have it. And so when my kids are in school, I can like go all in and you could, and Amazon is just the sales velocity doesn't even compare for me to like, to to eBay and Poshmark. However, um, eBay and Poshmark, like after eBay open, especially like eBay cares that you have a business, they care about you as a seller and they're not competing with you. Amazon's competing with you as a seller. They don't care about you as much. Like they, if you have a great wholesale product, they'll go find it and undercut you. If you have a great private label product, I just was talking to some people I met at eBay open about this. They will go find the manufacturer, slap their own label on it and sell it themselves. Like Amazon competes with its sellers. So you kind of have to like sell there, but also be under the radar, but like also play nice. And it's kind of a game. Um, But definitely eBay is a great, I mean, eBay, you can sell anything. So I think that's where it's maybe easier to people or less, like there's less friction. You can just literally sign up, throw, th- throw things on there, anything. You could do anything, this roll tape, you know, like literally anything you want, get almost <laughs> with, I mean, within reason, but like most everything and then start, start selling on eBay and get it shipped out and everything else. Um, I guess I didn't really answer the question very well. No, you're I good. Would you're I would say just set up both. Why not set up all the platforms and and then test them all and see what fits with you? You know, maybe that's like a good a good way. Don't, but I would say don't be afraid of Amazon. There's really nothing to be afraid of other than like, yeah, they could shut you down. <laughs> yeah, they can suspend you. But there are ways to get unsuspended, and there's ways to like you know work the system a little bit. It, it's it is a powerful platform. Like I, I'll never not say that Amazon's extremely powerful. So, so you were super Amazon. I'm like, I remember your first few interviews was very much Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then this eBay kind of takeover happened. So when did you, when, so how did you start get started on eBay? Like what made you decide to, Hey, I'm going to list on eBay. I'm going to build up my store. Like what got you there? Um, I think it was, joining the Instagram community and seeing how people like, I didn't even know people sold used clothes. I didn't even know it was like a thing and seeing how people were being successful on eBay. I, I just like had to try it. And that was coupled with the fact that I go to a lot of garage sales and yard sales. That's like my primary way to source during the summer months. Um, I was, I find all kinds of stuff at yard sales that like I would be passing up money if I didn't sell on eBay, you know? And vice versa with Amazon. So like, I've tried quitting eBay before. I was like, I'm done. 
it's a lot of work. You know, you have to keep inventory and you have to ship stuff out and deal with customers. It's a lot more hands-on. But like I couldn't at the end of the day because I just kept coming across stuff that would sell. And I'm like, I can't... I'm not in a position as someone with such limited time to like pass up profit when I see it. So like, um, so that's where eBay started to grow. And then I'm also kind of like determined, like I wanted to make it work. I'm like, other people can make it work. I can make this work. (laughs) So I was like, I was part of me was like, don't give up Ash. So I worked out a system that really started to like, it just really started to um, develop and grow. And I, I have seen a lot of cash flow with eBay, which is awesome. Whereas with Amazon, if you're, especially if you're doing like retail arbitrage for new items, you're dumping a lot of money in. And like you see the money come out, but what do you do with it? You most of the time dump it back in and reinvest. And, and like you don't see your accounts grow. Whereas with eBay and PayPal, I've just watched it grow, 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 grow because I'm buying things for so cheap. So that's another thing that like helped me kind of decide. Um, and I'm almost at a thousand feedback. And I feel like when you cross that threshold with eBay, you start to see a higher volume and, and you start to be really proud. You've made a store that has a thousand five star feedback. That's really awesome. And like you have a more, I, I felt like this ownership and pride in my eBay store more than my Amazon store, if that makes sense. So no, it completely makes sense. So when you initially started eBay, right? Cause I, we have a new, lot of new sellers, right? And a lot of the things that they say is like, it's, it's hard, the shipping stuff. I can't understand the shipping. You know, I struggle with my pictures. Did you find, what, what did you find to be the most difficult when you first started eBay? Jumping from Amazon. Yeah, it was, um, definitely shipping everything myself, like one by one. Cause with Amazon FBI, you just shove it in a box for the most part, unless they divide your shipments and you send it off and you just don't even think about it again. Whereas with eBay, like you're thinking about it a lot, like you're getting offers all day, you're clicking accept, you're haggling, and then you're shipping stuff every morning. So it's definitely more hands-on, um, but it's not that hard. Like eBay, like if you get a system going, it's really not that bad if you just have organization and have a routine. Um, but yeah, like it just, again, like felt, I felt just with my hands on every single item, I just felt this ownership with it and started to cultivate like, a store and what I liked selling. And I don't know, it's just this, this love and this care for it really grew over time. So when you got, so when did you, <laughs> let's put it this way. So, so eBay, the shipping, you figured out, you figured out the pictures. Uh-huh. Now, I had a question about sourcing. So you had said, you know, you always ran across garage sales. Now, were you going to garage sales before you did eBay? Like, was that something you enjoyed doing before uh-huh. or is it something that because of eBay you started doing? Um, I did it for Amazon. I would oh, really? just go, okay. to, but I would only go to garage sales for like books and electronics and video games. That's like all I looked for, and and Legos and new things that I knew I could sell. Um, and like I remember one garage sale had like all these textbooks, and I just scanned them and was like, it was like fifty bucks, sixty bucks, seventy bucks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> books are a thing. That's cool. Like that was kind of how I got into books too, and um. So I would only do that. I would, and I just used to like the like, eBay who's got time for eBay, you know, and I would just kind of like blow it off. Never looked at the clothes, never looked at the shoes. And now of course I look back and like, what did I pass up? I'm sure I passed up so much stuff. Um, but like, um, sorry for, to answer your previous question about eBay, like my various, I don't think I answered that very well. It's okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Pictures, like, We're I just having a conversation. My problem with eBay was I thought everything had to be perfect. I thought I needed to use a DSLR camera 
really nice backdrop with a mannequin. As you can see, literally, I never use that mannequin. I want to sell it. <laughs> How long like, has that sweater I, been I on? It had to be perfect and steamed and ironed and whatever. And that took forever to list forever. So one day I, I actually hired somebody to do all my pictures for me, brought my mannequin and everything. But like, for whatever reason, she wasn't able to get listings up. And so I was kind of frustrated, like, all oh, my stuff is there, but I need to list stuff or else my store is going to die. So I had all this new inventory. I'm like, let's just slap it on the ground and just take pictures. And I'm just going to get some listings up. And they sold just fine. And I was like, wait, <laughs> maybe I don't have to do this big to do. I can just put it on, like do a good enough and get it listed. So the, the biggest barrier was listing fast. And now I've gotten very fast at listing I have like, you know, a ratio of like, it has to be just good enough, but that's enough. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. There can be wrinkles. People will still buy it. And like the, the lighting doesn't have to be perfect, but the price has to be right. The description has to be right. The pictures have to be just good enough. Is it bright? Is it clear? Do I show tags? Do I show measurements? If that is the case, it is good enough. And now like I've realized that's enough for eBay. It doesn't have to be like... <laughs> Unless it's maybe like a Gucci something or a really nice item, it really does not have to be professionally photographed, at least in my tiny realm. Well, so. I've seen you so, uh, real quick. I've seen your setup, right? And it's <laughs> no, but it's sell like it, it, you have quality. So I think for the reason why you have consistent sales, Ashley, is because you have quality stuff. Now, those those that are listening on the podcast that have not seen your your setup, explain to them your light setup, not your light setup, but <laughs> like your background setup, because I find it interesting. It sucks. It's not. No, it unique. does not. It's and unique. Like, it's so, it's so, so like, uh, I think there's the moments where I need to like reassess and be like, come on, Ash, don't put, you know, make it a little better. But, um, I have a little fluffy white rug. I have a hardwood floor and then I have a corner of my living room. That's just got a lot of natural light. And I've done the light. I have five big lights that I tried and tried to get bright enough. And like, there's shadows and it just didn't look good. And so I just discovered in the corner of my living room with tons of natural light, the pictures turn out so crisp and so clear. And I'm like, yeah. And, and I can use my phone. Like I don't, the DSLR, like I'm trying to upload it to my computer and they're all sideways and I'm just like so mad, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I have a little rug. I have a little flower. I put the clothes down and smooth it out as best I can but I'm trying to go quickly. And now I even source things that I know can list fast. Like if it's a fussy jumpsuit dress thing, I just, and if it's not going to pull in a certain amount of money, I just won't even bother with it. Um, I love blouses, sweaters, pants, um, simple things, simple things. So shoes are great for that reason. But yeah, that's, that's literally it. It's nothing fancy. So I would say to anyone who's scared to start because they think they need like a mannequin, fancy camera, fancy backdrop. You do not need any of that. There's people who take pictures right in the parking lot <laughs> of like, right. Of thrift stores yeah. right there. And they sell it does. I mean, as long as it's really clear, good light, natural light, I think is just honestly going to always be better than, than studio light, great, natural light, a clear, crisp picture. You're good. I really think that's the case. Yeah, that, that's really good. I mean, we've talked about that before. You know, there's, there's like you said, the kind of the cost benefit analysis that you run through, like how much time are you spending to get the perfect picture versus is that actually going to increase your sales very much? And, and you got to weigh that out. And, and we've even talked to like, it could maybe even increase like that trust factor with buyers if they see 
you know, it almost seems like it's your item if it's like taken in more of like a natural in the home setting. As long as it's a white background. I want to keep pushing white mm-hmm. background. Yeah, Orlando's a big fan of the, the 100% white background. eBay is yeah. a big fan of the white background. Yeah, Google I, is a big fan of the white background. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> eBay so, is. So what is that's the... That's true. What is that's true. What, what is the day in... What is a day in the hustle of mom, hustle at home mom's life look like? What it, Like start to finish, kind of an average day. Um, I'll say a good day. <laughs> um, on a good day, I get, I get up and I get my workout in, I get like a run of some kind in, and then I get, it depends. Cause my kids sometimes stay with me. I'll, I'll kind of give a scenario of when they're with me or when they're not. Um, if they're with me, I'll, I'll get up, I'll do my workout. I'll get my shipping done. I try, it's nice motivator to have my husband take it on his way to work. Cause that means I have to get up and get it done before he goes or else I'm doing it. And I hate doing it with my kids unless like I've now I've actually enlisted my almost seven year old to run in and drop it off for me. So he's actually, unless it's a lot and then, and he almost like, I'll give you a quarter. I'll get you a little cone. Just go do it. So, um, so I will get up, I'll get my shipping done. My husband will take it. I'll get ready. And if the kids are with me, we'll just hang out. We'll do activities. Um, we'll, like go out and do errands. Today we went to the Lion King. <laughs> we'll just do whatever. Um, so I don't really work when my kids are with me. It's just not, I don't do my best work and I'm not the best mom. Like I just do everything badly when I'm trying to like work with them. So, um, so I just kind of have decided if they're with me, we're not working. And that means when they are gone, they go twice a week for six hours to a neighbor's house. Um, I have to like get my booty and gear and like work. Cause I know like I've kind of set that limit for myself that when they're with me, I'm not working. So on days that they're at the neighbors, that's when I kick into gear. And I usually have like a huge stack of stuff I've gotten from my Saturday sourcing at garage sales. And so I will work on that in my two, six hour blocks through the week. And if I'm done early and I get my stuff listed, I will do a YouTube video. I'll film it in the day and then I will edit it at night and try to get one or two of those up a week. So, um, and then I, I don't usually have much of a dinner plan. I like to have two dinners <laughs> that I plan that like can have leftovers. And then we go out once a week, we get takeout. Like on Friday night, my husband will come home and we'll have like an at-home date. Um, and then cleaning the house just happens. Like in the morning with my boys, we do chores. They do their bed. We get a load of laundry going. I try to stay on top of it as mo- best I can, but I also have a cleaner who comes once every two weeks. And that has saved my life. Like to have a cleaner come do the deep cleaning just took a huge load off my plate. Um, so I do do that. And yeah. And that's, and like, really I've noticed when I just can put a podcast in or a show or, you know, have an audiobook going and like get my work done. Like I time myself and I'm like, okay, we can make this happen. Like you can do a lot in 12 hours plus, you know, Saturday sourcing, you can really, get a ton done. And I think where sometimes like, I feel like it might be a hindrance is if you have all day, all the time, (laughs) you it's, you're not as rushed. I'm like, I'm always rushed. So I always have to get it done fast. I might take my time more because I'm like, Oh, I have all day, you know? So I think it's kind of a blessing to be a mom and do this because I'm forced to work in very short, limited amounts of time. Yeah, that's great. And that's one thing we haven't even talked about with you yet is the fact that you do YouTube videos too, right? So you're not just 
you're not just selling, you know, to, to bring in extra money, but you're, you do this YouTube stuff and it's been, I've watched so many of your videos, like your, what's been selling on eBay. Oh, it's, That's, it's given me so many, like, Oh, I should look for that tag to. or that, you know, no, it's great. It, <laughs> your Amazon one was good too. Like the very beginner, like how to use inventory lab. Like I send, I, when people DM us, I send them your video and I say, That's watch so nice. this. So there you go. Just thought I'd tell you that, but, uh, That's so nice. So oh hey, my gosh. tell people how to find you on YouTube and where to find you on instagram because we haven't touched that yet so yeah it's just hustle at home mom on both so hustle at home mom one word on on instagram and then hustle at home mom on youtube and yeah you'll find me and i have videos yeah on amazon and ebay and what sells and i try to do a little a couple vlogs but i don't i'm not very good at that so we're figuring it out as we go but youtube has been really fun a really fun way to like share what i do and help hopefully help or at least just document what I'm doing, you know, for, for down the road for sure. All right. So I got a question about, so you seem to have work-life balance down, right? I, I, at least I think I do. I, it seems like it, right. Cause we talk about on the podcast, we shared this last time with Craigslist Center about reselling the lifestyle, right. You know, and on the panel, you noticed Ken said, and I believed it too, like that doesn't exist, but you made it happen. So how do you how do you make that work life balance happen? Like, are you very confined? Like, I will not. You kind of shared that, so maybe that's the answer. Like, I will not do anything. Or when offers come in, like, how do you handle that? Like, do you do you step away or do you wait? What what do you do? Yeah, no, I don't have work life balance down, so I'm glad I've tricked you. Like, okay, that's I, good. <laughs> I, I, like, that's a con job. My best con job ever is to make people think that like I have it balanced. I really don't. But I do have that commitment to my kids that I'm not working in there with me. So I do like accept offers. That's one thing. Like I'll I'll take some offers, or if I have a you know an angry customer, I'll like step away and message. You know, um, I I think where the balance came in was I was trying to do it all and do it all right now. And like when my sales got really high, I was the most stressed I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't good. And like I was I like would be in tears to my husband like. He'd be like, but you had like, you know, over a thousand dollars in sales today. That's amazing. And I'd be like, I'm miserable. I'm like, not happy. The kids, like, I didn't, did I even read to them today? Like, I don't know. Like, what did they do? Did they watch too many shows? Like, that's where I feel that's, those are my pain points. If I feel like I'm like slacking in the most important job I have, which is being a mom. Like, I hate that feeling beyond all things. So I just realized like, you know what? screw everything. (laughs) I don't have to do everything right now. I'm going to do it when I can. And life can wait. Like it just can, like my empire will wait. (laughs) Like So I've told myself as much as like, I want to do privately, I want to do wholesale. I want to get on the phone and like make bigger deals and whatever. I've just, my mantra this year has just been, or for the last, like probably yeah, solid year is just Ash, it can wait. Like my kids are little, they're little one time that is it. <laughs> I don't get to reverse time and go back. And two is probably all we're having. And so I've got to cherish this. It's going to go by. And so my sales these days are, you know, not maybe the highest they've ever been. I think my highest sales year was like 140,000 in gross sales. I was like really unhappy that whole year. I was really unhappy. I was not a great year. <laughs> like I money was great, but like, I felt like very disingenuous sharing like, Hey, look at my numbers. Cause Instagram re- responds to that. Like, Oh, numbers are cool. But like, they're, they're cool to an extent, 
like when you're suffering on the inside and your home life isn't great, like that's where you need to kind of step back and go, whoa, is this even healthy? So, so yeah, like a year and a half ago, I just kind of reassessed. And since then I've just been like on my time and when sales, if I have, you know, a hundred dollar sales day, that's fine. If I have $300 day, that's great. Um, but everything else can wait. And can I go to bed knowing I balanced my kids? I loved my kids and I was a good mom to them. And I read to them and we worked together and I taught them to do chores. And like, or was I the mom that got frustrated and yelled because the customer was mad at me? And like, did I, did they have nutritious foods? You know, but it's, it's, it's a constant balance and no days are perfect, but I feel way happier now. And a lot of that has to just do with the fact that I work in my windows of time. And then if I don't get to it, I don't get to it. And that's fine. Like that's not, and and like the world didn't end. Like when I slowed down, the world didn't stop. Instagram didn't suddenly like, you know, pitchforks and torches and come after me. Like she's not hustling as hard. Like everything worked out fine. And in fact, I think engagement's been even better because I've just been extremely honest about that. Like I, I get to what I get to and I don't when I don't. And that's, and it's been fine. Yeah, no, it's that's, been way that's great. I mean, that's one of the things that we are super big on this podcast is just trying to be real um, with uh, ourselves and with the listeners about, you know, how much time reselling can take and making sure that, you know, you're attaining the goals you want to attain. So if it's more money, you're recognizing that you're potentially going to be sacrificing other things like family time or or time, you know, for yourself or whatever it is. Um, so you kind of have to to weigh that out and figure out what's most important. Would you say, I'm sure you get it all the time. People ask you, um, you know, other stay at home moms or dads that are looking uh, to bring in some extra income. Um, would you recommend reselling to them as like, this is a way to, to allow you some freedom at home? Or would you say that this is a little bit more challenging uh, than some other things? Um, I do recommend it to like everyone I know. I, I like, I love this. And I know you guys have a passion for it mm -hmm. too. Like I absolutely love doing this. I love finding treasures. I love listing it. I've learned so much in three years. Like I, and I just, I want to share it with the world, but most people I talk to do not seem interested <laughs> at all. Like I, I try to explain like, that sounds really hard. That sounds complicated. And it's just not for them. And that's fine. Um, so I do acknowledge that like, it takes a special personality maybe, or maybe like I talked to my husband about it. I'm like, why are, they don't they care more? They, this is awesome. This is amazing. And he's like, well, you have to, he, he's really sweet. And he's like, you have a knack for it. Like you like it. It's, it's in your wheelhouse, which like I, I lack in many other things. So I'm glad I'm at least kind of good at one thing, but like, I feel like most people, it just seems complicated and overwhelming. And they're like, well, I'll just do data entry or I'll just, they try to, like I, I have not yet come across anyone who's got the same like drive and wants to do it the same way I do. So I would definitely recommend it, but yeah, it's hard work and it takes time to learn, but gosh, like the results, the payoff is amazing. I am on my own schedule, on my own time, making like a full, really way more than I did full time when I worked full time at a school and it's all in my own time. But yeah, like Gary, Gary V always says, you know, you have to eat crap for two years. <laughs> like you have to like suffer for a while, but then the payoff starts happening. So I would probably warn people that like, you're going to be grinding for a while and it's not going to feel like you're going anywhere, but you are just be patient. And then like, suddenly like things will start to multiply and your, your accounts will start to grow and it'll start to make more sense. So. 
Oh, that's great. I, I, I really appreciate you being real about stuff because again, it's one of those things where, you know, especially when you're new, you're expecting like, Hey, I listed 10 items and where are my sales? Right. So the fact that yeah. you're saying it's going to take a little bit, <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Now I want to go back a little bit to garage sales because I, I, I truly believe, and maybe I'm wrong about you. I think your favorite thing to do is garage sales or maybe I'm off. You can correct me. But my question, two, two things. Number one, I wanted to point out that it's, I think it's awfully strange and I hope that's okay to say that you source garage sales for Amazon, right? Because m- most people like you see all the, we call them, we call them like, you know, the FBA gurus, whatever. You never see them at garage sales looking for Amazon stuff. And I get it because if you want to scale, like you got to, you know, drop a lot of money on Amazon if you want to take it to that million dollar level, whatever it is. But Number one, I, I think that's awesome that you mentioned that because that's how I got started with garage sales with not Amazon, but it's because of garage sales that I got into Amazon. I found textbooks like you use electronics and so on. Now, going to garage sales. So do you find that garage sales are your favorite way to source and why? Um, yes. And they're, they're my favorite because you get the best stuff. I'm not sort I'm not like how, like I'm not going through someone's leftovers, like at thrift stores, you're kind of going through what other people have picked over unless you're getting it fresh from the cart. Garage sales are like the fresh cart, but like everywhere. (laughs) So I always stress though, like, and I, I don't, I don't just wake up and just say, Hey, where am I going today? I have a list and a map and a plan and phone numbers and contacts that I have started to do throughout the week to like map my schedule and then I go to certain ones that I know in certain areas and a lot are annual. And this is, this is my fourth summer doing this. I go to these annual ones that I know are really good every year. Um, and they're just my favorite because I just find like the ratio of finding things. I feel like at a thrift store is maybe one in a hundred. I don't know. Maybe that's not accurate, but at, th- at garage sales, I feel like it's higher. Like it's a lot higher. There's a lot more good stuff, especially if you've researched ahead and show up early or like on time or have contacted the people, like you'll find really good stuff in one stop. So like the day that I got, I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram, I posted like all these Tory Burch. I think you have multiple times that you've posted on Instagram, but yes, I do remember the Tory Burch. (laughs) I know. So sorry. Like it's hard. Yeah. It's great. One grain of sand in a million. Right. But like, well, I did, I, I had like this amazing garage sale day. Um, where I think like I can, you know, I always add it up with my husband. I think it was like a $3,000 day. And, um, I only sourced that in one hour, two sales that I knew were really good. And I had strategized with, you know, one of the owners and then the other one I hadn't yet, but like, that was it. And like, that's what you can do. I can source that much in just one, one half, one to one and a half hours of sales. And early in the morning I come home and then I can, I can't do that at a thrift store. I don't find what I find (laughs) at thrift stores. Um, the same way you can find amazing stuff, but just, it's not the same as with yard sales and the plethora too, the, the variety, the, like the Garmin, you know, um, those Garmin GPS is the handheld hiking ones. You know, I can find that boom, that's $200 or like video, a stack of video PS4 video games all for 40 bucks. I'll take that. And then I can take, Oh, also you have all this, you know, these cool bags. I'll take those. Like yard sales are just, you're getting like such a great mix of everything. Um, and I just, I always come home with the most value. Whereas I could go out thrifting all day 
and not come home even with what I do on just a garage sale morning. So for me, that's like my experience. I don't know if that's your guys' experience, but. Uh, we completely agree. I mean, there's those days where you find nothing, but I would say yeah. <laughs> probably nine out of 10 times you will find something. And I would say probably half the time you'll have a major haul, at least that's, even in San Diego where it is super competitive out here. I mean, I'm we're talking about when garage sales start at seven, there's people like at four 30 knocking on people's doors. What? Uh, you know, we're serious. Like it's real deal. Like oh, they don't play out here. So let's break down for our listeners, the Tory Burch hall. So how did that happen? Did you, I know you didn't just show up and like, Oh, look, Terry Birch, I'll buy all of it. So how, yeah. how, how did that go down? So she's a friend that I've made a while back that I showed up at her yard sale. I want to say two years ago and she had all this Lululemon. I should have arrived earlier. I was like 15 minutes early and there was already like one or two people there. And we just struck up a conversation. I just like was buying so much. We struck up a conversation and she was like, Oh my gosh, like, that's so cool what you do. And she actually is on Instagram too. And she loves, she has side hustles as a mom as well. So we connected there. And like, so I bought so much stuff that every year, like I, we exchanged phone numbers. And so she like will message me, Hey, I have all this stuff. Do you want it? I do have to pay up a little bit. Like I don't, she's not giving it to me for whatever. Like I, I pay a reasonable price because I don't, I want us all to win. I don't want her to feel ripped off and I want to keep that connection going. So, um, so yeah, so that morning she was having a sale. And so I reached out to her like, I'm coming, but like, just letting you know, like, Hey, set aside my favorites. And she totally did. She set aside like all the things she knows that I go for. Um, and then, so I was able to scoop that up because the other awesome garage that was starting right at the same time. So I showed up at hers at six 30 and then I got all my stuff quickly and paid. And then I headed over to the second one, um, which I hadn't reached out to her ahead of time, but, um, she had a lot of, she was an eBay store that was closing. And so I just went and I was like, Hey, I have an eBay store. I will take all these things, but she was pricing really high. So I was like, I would love to buy a ton if we can kind of work out a deal where like it's worth it on all ends. And she was totally willing to do that. So I just stacked up everything and yeah. And like got great deals on everything all around and came home and was like, all right, good, a good day. <laughs> like it just nothing beats that feeling of like, wow, what a great morning. Everyone else was sleeping. And I just got up and made, you know, a couple grand. Like that's just like an awesome feeling for me. So. Yeah, that's that's a super great feeling. What what is your like? I'm interested with you were talking about those stories. What's your negotiation tactics? Like, what are your what, how do you do that? <laughs> for, so yeah, so for the most part, like if it's just a dollar or two per shirt, I'm not going to be like come down fifty cents. Like I just kind of <laughs> don't really do that. As <laughs> not knocking anyone who does. Like I all all power to you, but like I'm not a great haggler, so um. Like my, I, I, but I feel like when it is like, if they're pricing 10 bucks for jeans or something, and I know they're great jeans, I'll be like, Hey, I'm buying a bunch. Do you think you could come down a little bit in price for me? I like, I want to buy a lot of your stuff. And this has happened before where a woman priced like a lot of Eileen Fisher and all these fancy, like she had Diane von Furstenberg and mostly like Eileen Fisher high-end brands, but she was charging like 50 bucks per item. And I had driven all the way out there and no one else was there. Like it was a graveyard. And so I was just like, Hey, look, <laughs> like I'm here and I'm a buyer and I'm, I have cash. I want to buy your stuff. 
we just kind of have to work on price and, and then I'll take a lot of this off your hands. And when you approach it like that and not like a mean way, not like a, like, it's easy to get upset and be like, they're charging what? But like, if, if you're just kind of coming at them, like, Hey, I'm, you want cash. I have it. <laughs> we want, we all want to win here. How can I help you do that? Like, let me take this off your hands. And sometimes they're not willing with certain items. I'll be like, okay, I totally get it. Here's my number later. You want to sell it to me? Think about it, you know, but for now, like that's totally fine. I'll get what I can. Um, so that's where kind of I negotiate. I'll just, I'll have a lot. Usually I'm buying a lot and I'm like, I'm really wanting to buy this from you, but we have to work out a price. And I would say like, with the exception of maybe a couple times, almost everyone is more than willing to come down and work with you, especially if you're buying a lot, because what are they going to do with it? Otherwise, if it doesn't sell, you know, it gets donated, you know, this is cash that could be in their hands. So that's kind of my, my strategy, Just go, but I go about it as nicely as possible. And like with kindness in my heart and like, I really try to make it a good experience for them and me and not in part because <laughs> they might find out who I am later, even if they don't ask me there. Like, I don't want anyone who sees me later, like, wait a minute, she came to my yard sale and she was totally mean and like haggled me down to the penny and she's selling this stuff. Like, I, I want them to be like, oh my gosh, that's that girl. She was really nice. And we worked out a great deal and we all left happy. That's kind of my goal in these interactions for sure. So you would say in your experience that sharing with people that you're a reseller or taking out your phone or any of that works in your favor. Um, yeah, a lot of times it does. Like I, and I, I don't exactly like want to broadcast it, you know, like, and if I take out my phone, like, I don't, I don't care about that. I'm like, for all they know, I'm texting or I could be looking it up. I don't know who cares. Right. They have to know, like, people have to know there, there are going to be resellers coming. <laughs> like that's like a factor in capitalism, right? People are going to buy it and maybe they'll sell it for more. Um, but yeah, I think it works out in my favor. In the times that I've explained and talked to people, like when they understand what I do and they kind of have compassion on like, oh, that's cool. You're like a mom and, you know, I'm raising my boys and I'm trying to like work also. And this is a great way to help fund their college, help fund like our life. Then they're really willing and happy to help work with me. But yeah, it, it's not, I don't, I can't, I have not had one scenario where it's blown up in my face and they've been like, get out of here. Everyone, in fact, has just been really nice. Maybe that's because I'm in Utah. People tend to be pretty nice here. Um, so maybe that's a factor. In fact, one time it got me into the basement of a woman who had thousands of books and I had tons of books I was able to to take home. And I just told her, I was like, I'm, I scan and sell books on Amazon. It's just such a great way for me as a mom to earn money. You know, I like, I just, so as a mom, I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, you know, that's like a way to be like, uh, it helps to, um, couch it a little bit in a comfort place. Um, so yeah, and that helped me a lot. Whereas she kind of turned away someone else who wanted to buy her books, but she let me because I kind of told her my story. No, I appreciate you sharing that. It's funny because, you know, we both share Instagram stories sometimes and about garage sales. And I've shared it where like, I'm always super positive and nice at the garage sale. And some people have DM me and said, you need to tell them that thing's destroyed. Like they need to bring their price down or you need to tell them it's trash. And I'm like, no, like that's, yeah. that's only going to offend people and they're not going to want to work with you. 
But yeah. the, the reason I, okay. So anyways, I, I just, I wanted to agree with you because I got to tell you if, and I tell our listeners, like if you're negotiating, like being positive, will I believe will get you a lot further uh, than, than trying to just be mean and just haggle, you know, every penny about it. Now I had a question for you, Ashley, because we have a lot of new listeners that are listening and I know some of your story cause you know, of, you've been on YouTube for a little bit, but do you still have car parts in your garage? And tell us why you have car car parts. <laughs> yes. So um, I think we're coming up on two years in November that I decided impulsively to just buy out someone's car part liquidation. That's intense. Um, they had liquidated. They, it was all over their house in um, two hours away from me. And they were like, this is $50,000 worth of car parts. I'll sell it for 4,000. I just need it out of my house. My wife is upset. So I reached out to him and I looked at the, he sent me a manifest, which was, you know, really important to me. And I actually sent it to someone who sells car parts and like got their opinion. I just go blindly like, okay. (laughs) Like I wanted someone who knew their way around car parts. And sure enough, this guy was like, Hey, this is a gold mine. I think you should totally do it. And so I was like, after his opinion, then one other opinion, um, I was like, all right, let's go for it. And so I took a trailer and a truck up from my uh, husband's cousin, took them up with my, with my own cousin. He helped me load the parts. And three trips later, my car, my garage was completely packed with car parts. And my husband was like, what did we just do? <laughs> what is happening? My, my life is over. My garage is over. And I was like, no, 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 trust me, trust me. So yeah, after we got it organized, um, it, the the overwhelming part was all of it there and like going, what do I even begin with? So step one was organizing and getting all the same parts lined up and inventoried with stickers showing me where they were. And then um, step two was just getting them listed. I photographed one piece, but I like, I like would get them out, photograph them in my garage. And then once I got them all listed, the work was done. Like they're there. And I cross posted to Amazon as well. I got engaged in Amazon car parts and I just let them fly and no, they don't move as fast as you'd want, but one or two a day over the course of a year, it's a lot for like averaging 75 to a hundred dollars apart. And I only paid $6 apart that adds up. Wow. And so I'll still get sales. And I'm like, I, I always just told myself like, Ash, you just worked a part-time job today slap a label on, send it to the post office, you're done. Like that's the equivalent of if I had tutored someone for a few hours or like if I had worked at, you know, some, somewhere else for $10 an hour, like at like one huge overwhelming week of work. And that's all I did. And then it's been tens of thousands of dollars later that they have just slowly been selling for me. So I probably need to go back and like maybe relist a few. It's been a couple years. So I might want to relist a few, lower the price, um, make sure that like my Amazon listings look fresh and good and the price is good there, but they have been awesome sellers. Like I said, one or two a day, um, summers are pick up a little bit more and I'm glad I did it. it would I do it again? I don't know. <laughs> it was overwhelming. It loaded up our entire garage, but it was a really fun experiment. It made me a lot of money and I learned a ton from it. So now there's room in the garage. Like, are you down there to like, is. you can put cars in there and stuff? <laughs> There, we can park the cars. We have a really deep garage, so that helped too. In fact, my husband, we have these huge hood shields, like bug shields for trucks that like we cannot ship. They're too big. They're light. They're like eight pounds, but they're huge. 
And so we've been selling those locally and every few days we'll have one or two sell, which is really nice. But yeah, those are on our racks above our cars. And so we'll pull those down and get those, you know, delivered. He's been really, my husband's been really good about helping with that. But yeah, slowly but surely we're chipping away at them and they've been great money. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Wow, that's awesome. So from clothes to car parts, like you sell a little bit of everything. What what is like what's the thing that brings you the most joy in selling? Like what do you like? What do you enjoy? What's your favorite thing to sell? Oh man. Clothes are really fun. Clothes and shoes are really fun. Like I have a lot of fun finding special clothes, a Harley Davidson leather jacket. Like it just gives me this feeling of joy, right? Like, yes. Um, but I love books are my favorite thing to sell on Amazon by far. Like books, like when my kids start going to school, I'm going to hardcore source books more. I, I still source them, but like not as hardcore because they are easy to ship, easy to list, no negative feedback ever, like hardly ever. Like people get their book. They don't care. It's a textbook. It can have wear. If it gets returned, it's put right back in Amazon's warehouse. I don't even think about it. And, um, it's just very easy, a very easy barrier to entry. And, um, I would highly recommend to anyone starting Amazon to follow Reezy and to do books and get started there because it's just very, very simple. Um, so yeah, books are great and clothing, clothing are, that's why like really, I mean, I don't, other than like Q4 for Amazon, right. Where it's just like free money, like, I, books and clothing are probably my two most passionate areas for both platforms. Nice. And you use a scanner, obviously, right? You have, uh-huh. okay. And inventory lab. And so uh-huh. I use a KDC scanner okay. and, um, I use a seller tool, um, but also scout IQ. Like I have dabbled in both. Um, and I really like scout IQ a lot. So I've been using that for book sourcing. Um, but like, again, not as often, because I don't source books as often as I used to, I don't, I'll like hold my subscription for a while and then make it live, like renew my subscription for the Scout IQ. It's, I think it's like 40 bucks a month or 45 bucks a month. So I'll like pause it for a little bit, especially during garage sale season. Just use my Amazon app to scan books. Um, and then coming fall, when my kids are in school, I'll probably renew that and source books one, once a week and clothing once a week and just maintain both stores that way. Nice. Awesome. And so without giving away like your sourcing secrets, um, how do you, do you typically go to like just garage sales or are you going to thrift stores for books? Uh, do you do like libraries? What are the way you pick up books? Yeah. Library sales are awesome. And there's, uh, there's not a ton around us. There's one, there's one that happens every three months at our big main library downtown. And then there's, um, a college book sale that happens at the local university so, but thrift stores are really the only place. Thrift stores and garage sales when I see books, um, but not a lot of garage sales. Like I have, you know, 10,000 books. Estate sales are great. Estate sales, if, you, if I, I'll, I'm scrolling through pictures and I see lots of bookshelves, I'll be like, ooh, you know, I'll hit that one up. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's all you need to do. And there are there is a lot of competition for books. Like if you do books, just be ready that there's a lot of other scanners, but don't be intimidated because a lot of times they're just hired by someone. They don't care. They're not going to care as much as you do. They're not going to like look up ISBN numbers. Um, so like, that's one thing that like, I would want to impress upon people. Like if they don't, 
if they feel scared, don't, don't be intimidated. Everyone has a niche. Everyone misses things. No one's perfect. You ha- There's plenty of room for you, no matter what niche you want to get into. I would add to that. Just be ready, though. I mean, it is in San Diego. It's intense. I mean, you see the scanners and you, you're ready to roll. And especially when you <laughs> when you walk into territory, if you're brand new, you're going to walk into a territory where there's booksellers that have been there for years. And they're, you know, they might give you that eye. But yeah, like you said, don't don't be intimidated. Go in and just do it. <laughs> it's doable. Yeah. And, and even like if they've been doing it for years, that actually might be kind of a detriment to them because they're used to a certain way of doing it. And they're not as open to like um, new ideas, new, new strategies with books. So consider yourself like even if you're new, like you actually have an advantage because they've been doing it the same way forever with probably with their, you know, big bulky. What is that thing? I always see it like it's not connected to their phone. It's just like a big bulky one. Anyway, I, I know um, you're talking about the PDA. Uh, you know, the, you've yeah. seen them, and they're usually like older men, and like I'll show up at a library sale, and I feel like they're like, "Who is she? What is she doing?" But then like I'm throwing elbows in there. I'm like, no. out of my way. It's almost bin status. Elbows. Sometimes no, it's bin status. <laughs> I'm not that savage, but like, <laughs> but yeah, I'll be like, I'm here. I, you know, you have your place, and just fill yourself with confidence. Like, there's plenty for me. They're like, I if let's say they they just get the you know low hanging fruit, fine. I'm going to go through every single book and find every single piece of profit I can. And like, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. But they'll miss a lot of stuff because they're just doing the same old, maybe same books that they do normally. But yeah, it's a, it's a great way to get started. And it's like, I love selling books. It's, it's a really nice way to just enter a nice entry point to Amazon. So would you say right now, what percentage wise, what percentage are you Amazon and eBay? Um, eBay right now is at a higher percent, um, probably 60% eBay, 40% Amazon, maybe. And then that switches in the Q4, Q4, it's mostly Amazon and a little bit of eBay. Cause it's just not, people aren't shopping for used clothes for Christmas time, you know? Um, but yeah, like, and it's funny cause Amazon used to be a lot more of that. But once I decided like, I got to narrow my focus to really inexpensive inventory and eBay inventory is very plentiful. I can go out and find a lot of stuff. Um, so that's kind of the reason for the shift. But I mean, it could change in the future. Who knows? But yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. So moving away from garage sales a little bit. So we were just this last week at eBay Open together, which was so much fun. Uh, so what were some of the things that you kind of took away from eBay open? Like what, what was like the big highlight moments that you're like, yes, I'm glad eBay is doing this or maybe something you wish they would have done or just moments that you enjoyed there. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. Oh my gosh. So much fun to meet you guys. And then other like-minded people who just inspire me. Like you guys inspire me so much and like others who just have built their businesses to crazy levels. I'm just like, you're awesome. So just to hang out with so many cool people was amazing. Um, seller protections is what I think I was most interested in because the INAD thing is really hard for me. I don't know if you guys, <laughs> uh, whenever I get a return and I look at, and like just, just last, just this week, someone returned something and said it was defective. Um, and it's just a jacket that wasn't waterproof that I did not say it was waterproof. I didn't like say it was like a raincoat, but they're like, this is defective. It's not waterproof. I'm returning it. And I'm like, there's an INAD, like, dang it. You know, and you could try calling. I've tried calling eBay 
on these INADs and like got nowhere. They can't remove it. They can't change it. So that if you have, for those who are new, if you have too many INADs, eBay adds 4% to your fees every month until you can make it go lower. So that happened to me for a little while and it sucks. That's like $300. That's a lot of money. Like in my, you know, at my peak, that's like a, that's 300 bucks a month. That's like a lot. So I was pretty upset about that. Um, but after talking at our private meeting with, um, what's his name? Harry, what was his Harry, name? uh, Harry Temkin. Yeah. Not Henry, not Harry Temkin. So, 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 so. Here's an S. Uh, oh, it was Thursday. Sonic Sorry. Bar, I think. Edit this out. Sorry. <laughs> no. I mean, no spazzing. Anyway. No, we met with an <laughs> EB exec. That's all. That's all we need yeah. to know. <laughs> um, but after talking to him and getting that reassurance that like INEDs, um, you can remove them with the new like seller tool. Like you can't, they'll look at and value and evaluate. Um, and they, not only that, but they're going to help pay shipping on an INAD that was a false INAD. At the end of the month, you'll get a credit towards shipping for that return, which is really nice. And then I believe they said up to 50% of the item if it was damaged or said defective or whatever. So um, knowing that they're going to help the buyer or the seller out is really, really nice. Um, and it sounds like they're making it harder to do the INAD returns. Um, and, and, and especially like if, if someone's processing a return on the app, they can't suddenly go back and change their reason to get the free shipping. Once they've selected the reason, if it's not INAD, then they have, and they know how they have to pay return shipping. Again, this is, if this is, if you don't offer free returns, um, like they'll, they can't go back and change that. So making it so like sellers and buyers, really sellers feel more protected and more like they're in their corner was really comforting for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to like, <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to that, to like ha having a few more measures in place that help protect me against that 4% fee. That sucks. Like, I don't know if it's happened to you guys. It sucks. We warned everyone about it because it. it came out of nowhere. Like it was like yeah. a few months ago. It was one of the new uh, eBay seller updates. And, uh, People were contacting us randomly like, hey, Orlando, check this out. I'm getting charged. And yeah, it's real. And it happened to you too. And and that's the thing. You're an awesome seller. So it can happen to anyone because it just takes a few buyers to just make that happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. It just takes it. And, and like I and I've worked on educating the buyers in every shipment I send out. I have a sticker that says if you put is defective or um, arrived damaged or like, you know, not as described, I just say that hurts me as a seller. And like, I don't know if that's allowed, <laughs> but I, I say like that, that impacts, that changes my seller metrics. I like, I don't say don't do it, but I say that hurts my seller metrics, which I try to keep top notch. So I encourage people to reach out to me first and say what the issue is. And I will often partially refund or fully refund, or like I'll do I'll take measures, you know, to, to help. They'll like say, well, then I, I don't, it doesn't fit me or it's not the right color. How do I process this return? I'll just say, you know, you can just say, just didn't like it. You'll still get a free return from me. Like you, there's ways to like help protect yourself so that the buyer's just not like, well, who cares? Not, doesn't look like the photo. I'm going to just process this return. And once I did that, my returns dropped in general, even drastically. 
and my INADs dropped drastically. So a lot of it's just educating the buyer because a lot of buyers don't see a person <laughs> on the other side. And so to give them a person and have a business card that says Ashley, like they know my name, they know I'm a seller. I'm trying to do the best I can. Um, they're not as apt to like attack. I mean, I still get it, but sometimes, you know, it's not like the person with you the jacket. You just say I'm a hustle at home mom every, no, every single time. Just, just end it with, just, just end it with that. Right. I'm just joking. I haven't, I don't share my Instagram. No, I'm like you should. Like, should, I, should I share? But I'm like, Oh, they might get mad and be like, what? So. Well, especially if you yeah. showed your, one of your uh, sourcing halls and you're selling Tory Burch to somebody, you know, they yeah. probably wouldn't go well, so well. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes it's funny how customers will get upset if they think you bought it for a lower price than you're selling it uh -huh. for, which is funny because, you know, that's, that's, it's the business. That's what we're trying to do. But I've, yes. Yeah. yeah. I've had customers say that, like, you know, like I, I took a picture one time with a shoe that had a price tag still on the bottom and they responded to me, like how ridiculous it was that I would try and sell it for more than, than I bought it for. And it's like, Okay. Like, Welcome to every business in America. Exactly. Every single one. Yeah. That's yep, crazy. Agreed. So Ashley, can I ask you what's, what is one of your failures that you've learned through? Oh, so many. We, we've Where all had them. Start? Um, I, I'll say this, this was one of my biggest failures and like, I'm proud of it because it changed direction with my business. I used to just, if I found any margin on Amazon, I used to buy it and sell it. I'm talking like, even if it's slim, well, it'll sell fast. Um, I can make that mo money's money. Are you talking and, like 30%? What's that? Are you talking like 30% ROI? Like, are you talking less yeah, than that? Yeah, even 10%, 10-15% wow. for, um, for a little bit. And this wasn't for a long time. But once I started to stack up a lot of money, I was like, hey, let's play with the big boys and, and go buy big bulk things. Mm -hmm. And I've been there and then send it to Amazon. But then gosh, like when you're, when you're doing that game, it's high stakes. And like one return blows your profit margin for all the items that you bought. Like if you're buying a, a computer for, um, I don't know, $800 that you're hoping will sell for $1,100. And you're like, well, that's 200 bucks. Like, and you buy three of those. If one person returns it and it's damaged or for any reason, or like, it's not, um, it's returned and you have to now sell it on eBay for way less. You're screwed like that. Your money's gone. So I sold a ton because I was buying a ton, but then at the end, my profit was like hardly anything. And I'm like, this isn't. And at the same time, I was hiring a virtual assistant to help find deals for me. Like I was just throwing money out, like going, oh, this is what everyone, this is what the top players in the game do. And this is what I should be doing because I should level up. But like the money just wasn't there. Unless you're playing with, I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or ten, at least tens of thousands of dollars a week spending that, that those kind of margins just don't make sense for someone like me. So that was a really big mistake and very humbling at the end of, um, you know, the year to see like, wow, my profit margins were nowhere near where I wanted them to be. And like, I thought I was here. I was thought thinking I'm leveling up. I wasn't leveling up at all. So that's when I like revert. I'm like, Ash, go back to what was working, what worked. And I'm talking about for me, and this doesn't mean for everyone, but for me, part-time sourcing limited amounts of time, 
I saw money just like stacking and stacking and stacking when I was doing very cheap inventory, books and clothing, bins, garage sales, like, and I just went back to that and was like, that's all. And like, once I like accepted, like, other than like Q4, you know, getting in the stores and doing RA, like there's tons of money to be made there. So I'm not talking about those months are special. But still, you got to be careful because, you know, you that market can tank the same way, right? I mean, it can tank instantly. Oh, it, and like, yeah. then you're, you are screwed. Like you have nothing. What can you do? You have all this money tied up. You can, you have to just sell it and move on or else. Yeah, you can wait. Like that was one thing. Like, yeah, maybe I could take the 5,000 I dropped into this and wait a few months for it to come back. But all my money's tied up in it. And like, okay, I guess I'll just wait and not buy any more inventory. So there's a lot of risk with that like you and like you said prices tank and things stop being hot like you're playing a little bit of a gambling game so um once i went back and just started doing like what i what i felt best about like the money started to come back and like i felt way more at peace and that's where just my money grew grew and grew and like i've been able to pay for our basement our kitchen and other things like without even sweating because i've just been spending this and making this like that's where when you have really fat profit margins you have tons of room for returns and lost items and just the ability of things that happen so that's one mistake i could do many more mistakes if you know but that's good i appreciate you to elaborate (laughs) no that was probably (laughs) one of the best explanations of the the dangers of number one comparing yourself to others Right. Cause you know, you get on Instagram mm-hmm. and you see people are like, I made 30 K I, I say this all the time. Like people say I made 30 K, but what were those margins? Right. Did they make really net two K? Yeah. I mean, and then on top of that, you know, you have these huge bulk buys on clearance, but so is everybody else. Right. And so, and mm-hmm. I agree, I agree with the returns because I've done the, you know, I, I talk about Ryan's eggs, right? Like those were like 50, 60 a pop, <laughs> something like that. Right. And unless you sold them fast or you did merchant fulfilled, you were maybe at one point in time only making five or 10 bucks and it never recovered. Right. So you had to be, I don't know if you picked those up this past Q4, but you had to be careful with those. I didn't, but yeah, I, I have fingerlings still here. Oh, I still They're got them. still in the office from that. Cause I was like, here we go. And it just, they never recovered. And they, and then Amazon restricted me and then they're worth nothing on eBay. And I was like, cool. Like I just dropped $200 on those. I didn't even go that deep in them. I mean, that's the game you're playing and like, it's great, but you, people aren't seeing, like you could show your little flips here and there on Amazon. Like, well, it's hard to, like you can see carts and carts of stuff and like go, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Look at their numbers. Yeah, 20,000. But like, I've seen those numbers in myself and I've seen the profit and it's, I make more now <laughs> doing the very simple thrift stuff than I did my biggest Amazon month, except for books. When I was doing books like that is those are, those margins are awesome. But like Q4, my best month, what was my lowest profit month? Wow. So That's because huge. Of my margins because of my, no, I get it. Buying and my margins. And so not to say that like other Q4s were, and, and Q4 can be amazing. You go into a, you know, a store during Christmas and, if you can like merchant fulfill or send things in really fast, like things that you find, they sell instantly and it's really amazing. But like, yeah, that's a big, that was a big learn lesson I learned um, from, from that, from Amazon. It's a, it's kind of a game. 
So don't, yeah, like you said, don't be intimidated when you see other people posting huge numbers. We don't know what those margins are. And a lot of times they don't ever talk about it. They don't say what it is. They like to just put the number and be like, hey, here's my sales. So um, yeah, it's a dangerous game. Oh, that's that's really good. So just so you know, Orlando still occasionally uh, is tempted to buy finger links. He still believes that he <laughs> no, might no, come no, back. You don't, get this. Well, don't do it. I wonder how many fingerlings are held on. Like right now, how many resellers have fingerlings in a tote or in a bin somewhere? You know what I mean? Because you've talked about, I've talked, I know a bunch of other resellers that have them. Like how much did resellers control that market and help that, co- help that company? You know what I mean? Like we just held on to, that was just maybe 50 years from now, they'll be worth something. Who knows? Who knows? I'll wait 50 years. I'll just have that box, put it in the <laughs> attic. My kids can sell it one day. Yeah, there That's you go. Solid. Or they make good Christmas yeah. gifts and, and oh, stuff nightmare. for everybody. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> That's funny. So I got, I got something a little bit away from uh, reselling just for a moment, because uh, I, just to be honest, I think I've, I've been more motivated to do Amazon uh, from just this conversation than I have been since I've started reselling just because oh, awesome. like, yeah, you make, you make it like you're speaking my language and you're talking about like, you can still do well with like the smaller doing books, doing the thrift stuff. You don't have to always go big and and, and necessarily mm-hmm. scale up huge. So I've learned so much with that. Um, one thing um, I, I'm interested in asking though is, so you've worked with kids, you did the uh, counseling. Um, I teach high school English. And so I always try to every year, like, present a few ideas to the kids some things, some life lessons. So if you had the opportunity to stand in front of a, a group of high school students and give them some advice for life, like what they should do going forward, some truths that they should take in, uh, what would you tell them? Wow. Is this like just reselling related like or anything? Just life? life. Yeah. Gosh, we're getting, so we're getting real here. Cause my, I know. Well, cause my husband and I have been talking about this and how, the choices you make in high school are really powerful. Like you can make choices early that affect the rest of your life. And like, I I don't like at the risk of sounding like really old, like it, it um, I'm the oldest here. So like, you're okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I just feel like, um, the choice, I feel like the choices we start making early become habits later. And like, I worked at my family's restaurant. I hated it. I was so shy. I didn't talk to people in high school. Like I could, t- I could meet someone and be like, they wouldn't know who I am. They would be like, because you were just silent and in the corner and not doing anything. But when my family got the restaurant, they put me out as a waitress. I had to talk to people and I, I was forced out of my shell and like, it was so healthy for me. And I, and I started working when I was 14 and I, we were busy working cause we just didn't have any money. And like, we were always, moved. it was just very chaotic growing up in my home. But like, I'm extremely grateful for that now that I'm older because that work kept me out of a lot of trouble, things that you can get into, I think in high school that are not so great. And that, I mean, I've seen the habits can develop even early in high school that affect you the rest of your life. Addictions can happen. And so it kind of kept me out of trouble and it taught me the value of work. Like work is extremely healthy, extremely valuable. I've always worked. I love working. I want to teach my kids to work. Um, so I would just say like, it may seem tempting to just sow your oats and go, I'm going to just have 
a party right now and just enjoy it while I'm young. But there are consequences for everything you do. There's, there's addictions that can form. And I only say this from coming from the perspective of siblings who have been addicted to drugs and alcohol. Sorry, we're like going here. This is nothing <laughs> no, it's all good. Like, it's all good. But like I, my sister passed away 12 years ago from drugs and alcohol. Sorry and I have, I have, um, you know, I, I, it's a very powerful lesson for me and for my kids. Like I, you, you know, there's choices that we make that are just, they determine our life. Very small choices can lead a whole new path. And so if I, if high school kids decide, I'm, you know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be honest, as honest as I can. And I'm going to, um, make good choices and like try to be a productive human and a productive member of society. That path will take them down a great road. Um, whereas it's easy to just take a path of least resistance and just go, Oh, who cares? This doesn't matter. Um, things do matter. Grades matter. Like, and this is, these are things I would talk to students about, you know, with their grades, when their grades would just start to fall and they would stop caring or, and they were just following the pattern of their family. Um, coming from a very toxic family, I can say like, you can break out of it. If you make good choices, if you just decide I'm not going to perpetuate the cycle. Um, and so I would tell the students, you might be in a cycle of abuse and addiction and sad things, but you can break out if you make the right choices now, they will follow you the rest of your life. And like the only reason I'm here is because I started to make choices that were different from my family. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be different. I want a different path. I don't want this. Um, so that's like what I would tell high school students. And then again, with, (laughs) with the workforce in college, probably like the more relevant question that I just decided to go on a tangent about. No, you're good. I think it's the same, same thing applies, Ashley, even in your twenties, even in your thirties, I'm, I'm 40 now, but I I will tell you, there's decisions I made in my early thirties that, you know, they stick with me. You know, Mm -hmm. we all, we make a good call or make a bad call that they'll be there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and it's, of course it's never too late. Right. Like I would hate to say like, it's too late for me even to make different choices. I, I make mistakes all the time, but like when you're young, I feel like you're just so much more malleable to like choices and change. It's hard when you're in your thirties to change. It's hard for me. I'm stuck in my habits. Like find a 60 year old and tell them to change a habit. Is it happening? Like it's hard when they're that old. Like when you, when you have just entrenched that habit for so long, like it's really tough. So when you're young and you can make some good choices, imagine how that good choice will entrench and be part of you by the time you're 30, you know? Um, so yeah. And like, and that, and just that, um, I see a lot of people disparaging education in the reselling community. We've actually talked about that. (laughs) There's no point. Don't waste your money. Right. And I coming from someone who has a master's degree, I value my education so much because it's something no one can ever take away from me. No one can ever take that knowledge away, the experience, um, all of it, that I don't regret a single bit of it. And it's what I'm going to help teach my children. I, I like having an educated mind and I don't think we should, you know, spit on that and say like, it's worthless. It's not. I, and I, I mean, we got through college debt free. So I think that's, you know, definitely something to consider. Like 
going to out-of-state schools and paying up for your education. Like, I don't know if that I would recommend that, but I went to a state school and a state school for my master's and like got a great education and I'm, I cherish it. I cherish my diploma. So um, I think education is really important and something that we should encourage. And because I think that makes you a thoughtful member of society, you know, it makes you just able to take information and process it in a thoughtful way. Education helps you do that. Appreciate you saying that. Yeah. You know, cause you know, we're both educators yeah. and it's, it's funny because I have a master's too in history. I don't use it at all, but I will tell you the skills that I acquired through that program, right? The number one, the grit, right. Of getting things done. And then two, the learning how to navigate things, learning how to organize your time, learning how to get, get tasks completed and then all the knowledge you gain that ultimately helps you out. So really appreciate that, Ashley. That was great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's good. Hey, we're being real. That's yeah. probably that's part of our slogan. Yeah. Real relevant reselling. Cut so, out anything you want. Cut out anything you want. I feel bad. Like no, we no. This is that moment. But I just have been thinking. I can't stop thinking about it with my kids. I'm like, no, make I, good choices now. Yeah. Now is the time. You know. Yeah, I think that's great because I mean, so many. I think your story, what you went through, probably resonates with so many of our listeners too. As far as you know it's it's really easy to be stuck and in a bad place and it's really great to see that there's hope that that through hard work and through making good decisions you can break those cycles and you don't have to be stuck in the you know that chain that perpetual you know downward cycle but you can you can make your life better and and you've used education and you've used uh, reselling, reselling and family and all of those things to to help break out of that. And I think that's, that's a story that I think is going to resonate more than, you know, here's just a tip on what item to buy. You know? So I think, I think so appreciate yeah. you um, opening up about that. That's awesome. All right. So Ashley back to reselling, but which is, <laughs> this is all life. So I honestly, I, you know, you share your numbers and I obviously, you know, you, I think you do really well. I think if you cranked it to, you did this 40 hours a week, full time would be, totally doable. I, that's at least my impression that I get because it, kind of the model you use, I use myself, but I do it 40 hours a week and I'm, I'm able to go full time. But my question to you is what, what would you say are your best practices that allow you to be able to do that? Right? Because obviously you have systems down that have allowed you, like you, I take a look at your inventory system. I take a look at your sourcing system. What are two or three best practices you would say have really helped you along? Um, okay. One is for sure. Just figuring out how to list as fast as you can. Like just time yourself until you have honed it to a science where it makes sense. It's fast. It's efficient. It's good enough. Take pictures as fast as you can, like give yourself a time limit. And if it's only 10 in an hour, work towards 15, work towards 20, cause you can do it. And one thing that was inspiring to me was seeing other people do it really fast. I'm like, well, if they can do it fast, I can do it fast. Um, so that's definitely powerful. It goes, try to hone your skills. So you're going as quickly as possible and being as efficient as possible. Have a spreadsheet where you are tracking your numbers. If you don't, you do not know what you're making. Like you can, it's just so powerful to see actual numbers <laughs> of actual profit that you are bringing home. And then you know what to tax yourself on number one. Um, but number two, like that's a very motivating thing. You can look back and be like, wait, I only profited like a thousand dollars this month, you know, just for example, but I worked so hard, but my sales were this, well, what did you spend? And 
you know, how, like, did you spend a ton on inventory or did your stuff, did you do a lot of auctions and you made a dollar or two per item, you know, that's extremely powerful. Knowledge is power with your numbers. Like if you know your profit and you know your margins and you have that data, that is super powerful. Cause then you can just say, okay, well, I worked X amount of hours. I made X amount of profit. That's X amount of dollars per hour. You know, like you can start to like add up and go, Whoa, that's really cool. If I did this more, if I added in a few more hours, I could make this. It just starts to give you a really nice picture. Um, and then number three is just don't be afraid to branch out into many different niches. And I, like, I heard you guys talk with Craigslist Hunter and he talked about that. Like if you learn 10 good niches, you're good. Like you are set because you have a really wide knowledge base. So I'm always trying to expand into new things because the more I learn, the more I can go to one place, pick out everything that's profitable and go home and have a bunch of money. Whereas when I was only sourcing Amazon at like yard sales, I didn't come home with as much money because I was only looking for like video games and books. <laughs> like that's pretty much it. If I didn't see it, I'd be like, well, off to the next. And my husband will go out and do yard sales with me a couple times in the summer. And because he only knows like one or two <laughs> niches, the same video games and books, he comes home with like a book and a video game. And I have a, a car load of, of shoes and um, electronics and GPSs and clothes. And I mean, everything, under, adult diapers, like everything under the sun, you know, and like, that's where just you have tons of power. And I just see some, I sometimes see people limiting themselves to one platform or one type of thing. And I'm just like, my heart breaks for them because I'm like, you are missing out on so much money. Like you're, you're, you're narrowing yourself down to one demographic and that's just hurting you. It's hurting your business. So branch out, learn as many things as you can. And that is so much more powerful than staying in your tiny little lane. I don't know where, I mean, at the same time though, do what you love and do what you know. I don't want to like, if, if you hate selling, you know, HIV test kits, don't sell them like just because they're a good deal. Or if you hate selling like, um, VCRs and video games and it just, then, then that maybe not, isn't for you, but, um, to at least try, at least try and see, a, you know, cast a really wide net. That's what I would say. That's, that's a lot. I, yeah, I, a I always feel guilty with your number two with the spreadsheets. That's always, <laughs> that's always, a, that's the most difficult one. I, I will say one tip though, that I've learned is that I will now go through my Instagram stories and then that's how I'll start noting garage sales. Oh no. No way. I mean, <laughs> worst comes to worst. If I ever get audited, I'd say, Hey, check out my Instagram account. You know what I'm saying? Like, there you go. It's just one, it's, yeah, it's, documentation. It's, it's fully documented. Documentation. So. <laughs> No, but it, so what I do is I have, I have a whole spreadsheet and as I'm shipping every day, this is the only time I really touch it. When I'm shipping, I have one half of my screen be my shipping and one half be my spreadsheet. And I'll just type in, you know, Tory Burch sandals, $55 cost of goods. I mean, it, it automatically populates, mm -hmm. um, all the areas. And if anyone wants a free one, not your dad's CPA, Mark, my friend on Instagram, just go follow him, go to his Facebook page. He has one free to download where you can just download this. And so every day, every morning, it's totally caught up because I have all of my, my, um, profit calculated after shipping and fees and everything else. And it's really nice and it's done. And then I have like, so I'll put in my item, put in shipping, put in uh, the fees are automatically calculated and it shows me a profit. So, um, 
you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. If you do a little bit a day, it's really not hard, but yeah, it's only when like, it's the end of the year and you're like, what, how, what did I sell? I have no idea. Like, and I've been there, I have been there and it sucks. So I think this year I'm just like, never again, mm-hmm. never again. So yeah, that's, that's something I would recommend for sure. It's not as intimidating as it seems. All right. So we're going to wrap up the interview here. So any last, I mean, we've shared a ton and you've been really real with us and we really appreciate that. Any last minute things you want to share with, with our listeners? I know I'm putting you on the spot right now. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, um, find your happy place, find the time happy place. Like, cause I will say there is a point at which making a certain amount of money is nice, but not worth it. For me. And I, again, though, I feel bad because I'm coming from the perspective, I have a husband who makes a full-time income and I'm earning an income as well. So I don't have the pressure of providing on my plate. So I kind of like, maybe that isn't relevant to everyone. Um, so I, th- I, I think it I, is I actually to, stay, to other stay at home moms, maybe who are doing this or stay at home parents who um, are not the full-time breadwinner. Um, there is a balance and your kids are only little one time. So like I was told this many times and I kept going, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But like, here I am now saying it, like there is a balance at which you can find happiness and to just really strive to find it and don't get so caught up. Like I did in the hustle and bustle of everything and chasing the numbers that you miss the important moments with your kids. And you remember, you you record memories and you go places and you see movies and you go to experience those things because yeah, it goes, it goes fast. So, um, that's, I guess that's what I would share. If anyone's insane, like me and obsessed, like me, like it's okay to tone it down. It's okay to put your store in vacation mode. It's okay to have moments where you're just like, I just need to to regroup. That's totally okay. And then at the same time, don't let anyone tell you that just because you're part-time, you can, you can't do this or you can do this. You totally can. You can go fast. You can be efficient. You can absolutely kill it. Um, so there's, there's a world of opportunity available as well. So like, yeah, flip side of the coin, I mean, you can crush it on a limited schedule with this. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us for Hustle Session part two or number yeah. two. And uh, we'll find you on YouTube, right? Hustle at Home Mom yeah. and on Instagram. And uh, thank you, Ashley. Really, really appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for letting me on like i'm truly honored and humbled like i hope that it was okay for you guys 100 percent. so with that being said make sure to be real be relevant and be reselling late mm-hmm.